Rightio, here we are. Podcast time, sports detention. Potty, what do we know? How are you, Gregor? How's your week been? I'm good, mate. It has been a good week. It's been a long week. Everything just loading up, the topics just bursting at the seams. And to be able to sit down here with you now and, and discuss all things that need to be discussed, or all things pertinent in the world of sport and entertainment, it is an absolute honour, mate. And I feel exactly the same. The winter is here, the weather is cold, and it's time to chew the fat. Absolutely. Let's get amongst it, hey? this week Gregor what do you want me to go first mate I reckon you start with this one because I mean I'm just I'm just crossing the T's and dotting the I's on a few things what do you got mate Lamar Jackson you know Lamar you know Lamar I've heard of Lamar Lamar Jackson he has just signed a 260 million dollar five-year contract with the Baltimore Ravens 180 is that all is that all he gets that's all he gets. That's it. Oh, okay. 185 million guaranteed. 185 guaranteed. Yeah. So this is this is the one that catches a lot of people, especially when they talk big numbers in the media. Yeah, that's right. Is you got to look at the guaranteed. You got to look at the guarantee yeah. because a lot of the time you'll be hearing about these running backs or these wide receivers, and they're on 40 million a year, but I, guaranteed, quite significantly. Like probably is still enough to you know feed the family. I mean, you're not starving. You're that's, not starving. Yes, enough. that's true. And it got me thinking. It, I was. What would you do with two hundred and sixty million, Gregor? Two hundred and sixty million. Now, if I was to make a decision today, I mean, it would just be littered with sensibility. I would be investing for the future. It would. It would be generational wealth. Yeah. Now, if I was Lamar Jackson's age and I was in my early twenties, it would be a problem. Hmm. I would be investing in flying cars. I possibly would be. I'll already be out partying with the boys. Um, yeah, I, I'd hate to think I would have one of everything and not much money left over, to be honest. Hey, but no judgment for me. I'm buying a golf course. W- oh, that's an investment, though. That's yeah, it. I mean, well. there, is, there is money in property and, uh, I mean, golf, I mean, it's everyone's hobby, isn't it? Everyone's hobby. $260 million. $185 million guaranteed. When I look at those numbers, mate, I just go, I hope you've got a good manager. I hope you have got financial advice. That is really, really important. They're, they're expecting a Super Bowl out of him, aren't they? For that sort of scratch. Well, you would think so. You'd think there'd be a few rings coming with the uh, the price check on that. Hence the 260 You'd have to think so. Uh, but while we're on golf, me buying the golf course, that is, uh, I read today that young Aussie by the name of Elvis Smiley. Elvis. Elvis Smiley Ooh. has shot a 58 around Southport Golf Club. A 58? Was he wearing blue suede shoes? <laughs> well, I'm... Is this... Is it, like, I'm, I've got me sceptical hippo eyes on here, buddy. 58, that is a sharp score. It is, mate. I but, mean, I get that on the first three holes at times. Well, I'm not, I'm not sceptical, mate, because I've got bad news for Elvis. 
I actually hit a 57 last week. Well, mate, so you've beaten it. Yeah, I've beaten it. I've beaten it. We're, we're talking nine holes, aren't we? I mean, it would have to be nine well, holes. Well, I, I just assumed. <laughs> It'd have to be. I mean, it does get you... It does... You know, the conspiracy theorist amongst us all does sort of look at a name like Elvis Smiley and go, well, something's cooking here. You know, this is a bit of a stitch-up. Is this... Is his uncle Doug Graves? <laughs> you know... Has he got an auntie named Robin Banks? We'll have to check with the colonel. We'll have we'll have <laughs> to look at that one. Oh mate, oh. yeah. So Elvis Smiley, geez, he must. I mean, he'd be hot property around there shooting uh, scores like that. You'd have to think so. I didn't see much more about it, but that was definitely something that caught my eye. Is the Southport Golf Club? Is he talking about you know? I mean, it's not necessarily Southport; it's a little west. Is he talking about Top Golf? He could be. <laughs> he could be. Is this Top Golf? Is he, is he hit the putt putt? Oh mate, yeah. I I mean, I'd struggle to shoot fifty eight in the putt 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 as well. So, but on the serious on the serious note, well done, Elvis. That's a hell of a score. Yeah, Great job. Great score. Um, now, mate, I know you've got something big here, something big that's caught your eye this week. Some sad news, mate. Some sad news. Jerry Springer. Jerry Springer. Mate, we've we've discussed this and we've we've actually, you know, put our head on each other's shoulder over the last couple of days while debriefing the death of the great Jerry Springer. Um and for a lot of our younger listeners, this might be you know, they might have heard of the name Jerry Springer, but they they possibly haven't got an understanding of the profound impact that someone like Jerry Springer had. It was on enormous, the wasn't it? Absolutely. On the millennials generation, Jerry Springer was the first for a lot of things. So, um, yes, obviously condolences to, to Jerry. Um, description of his show. How would you describe Jerry, the Jerry Springer show, which was his big fame? Well, that was just the thing. It was so hard to describe in a few words. It was part Dr. Phil, part Love Island, part... Oh. Love Island with, like, it wasn't summer... It was summer teeth, because summer in and summer out. That's that's what Love Island it was, John Jerry Springer. But yeah, going back to the impact that Jerry had before everyone was walking around with a mobile phone, before everyone was able to take a video and mm. and post um, a comment or um, sing a song and throw it online or have a, a, a political view. Jerry was the man. He was the original viral. Yeah, the original he was, viral. He? he was seeking those who nowadays people can just throw a, a camera on themselves, switch it around, go live and and make a viral video. But back in the day, if you wanted entertaining content like that, you had to switch on Jerry Springer at midday. And there'd be some of the most unheard of topics, which we'll jump into in a couple of minutes, that you've ever heard in your life. But then he'd finish the show with just a couple of snippets of wisdom. Oh, he was like a therapist yeah. for the last two minutes. It would be absolute chaos for 40 minutes, and then next minute, it's this therapist just jumps on and just gives you a, an absolute dime of wisdom and then sends you on your way for the rest of the day. Yeah, everyone knew who Jerry Springer was. Everyone wanted to watch Jerry Springer, and it was always good value. Great show, great show. Now, so if we were getting into Jerry Springer, mate, Top three Springer episode names, like, and this will give for those listeners who aren't too familiar with who Jerry Springer was and the type of entertainment he provided. What What are your top three Jerry Springer episodes, mate? Right, number one for me, 
I married a horse named Pixel. <laughs> now, again, the younger viewers out there, they're probably sitting there going, what? what this was standard. This was just, that wasn't even out of the ordinary. That's a, And this is pre-clickbait, so where headlines were designed to get a reaction. This was, you know, there was a bloke sitting at the front expressing his love for a horse named Pixel. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and the horse was on the show. <laughs> oh, yes. That was standard. Uh, then I had, you slept, oh, no, sorry. Uh, oh, sorry, yes. You slept with my stripper sister. You slept. Not just any stripper, no, no. it was the sister. stripper sister. The sister. And again, context, they would have both sisters on the show. Oh, yeah, they'd just come out and have that. And then there would be a punch on. Yeah, always. Every episode. And last, Fantastic entertainment. And lastly for me, I went with um, Austin Powers, the cameo. The cameo, yes. So Austin Powers, turn of the century. This one is of how the big he is. Series. Massive Hollywood Huge. You know, movie, this one, yeah. And they dragged Jerry Springer in to do a segment on it, and it was just brilliant. It was it was fantastic. Added to the show, added to the series. Yeah. Well done, Jerry. Mate. What about you, mate? What do you got? Mate, I've I've gone nice and simple, mate. Hillbilly Home Wreckers. That was always a special. Yeah. Hillbilly Home Wreckers. Um, similar context to your second one, mate. You treated, you cheated on me with a stripper. I mean, that was, I mean, you know, there was, there was people lining up all down the deep south to uh, be on that episode. And, um, the big one, and I mean, in that, the gender fluidity environment that we find ourselves surrounded by at times here where, you know, this was out there but you know the episode guess what i'm really a man yeah you know there were some poor sods who were put on a tv camera broadcast to the nation and the world and then they would find out that somebody they made love with wasn't exactly who they thought they were it and was ah, oh, and it groundbreaking would, it would inevitably lead to blows their tears and oh, then who yeah. would get involved who would have to break it up well there was only one man there mate. was only one man Steve. Steve, 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 Steve. Now, mate, I've done some research, Potty, and I don't know if this is going to be the greatest podcast material ever, but we're going to go with it. Okay, some links and videos that I think will give, hopefully our responses will give the listeners a bit of an idea of what Jerry did for us. So the first one, Stepmum. Stepmom. My stepmom is trying to steal my man. Ooh. So. And it would be that sort of a title that would get the audience in. Well, and, and it's one of the things, when I was going through this research, I didn't realise the subtlety of the Jerry Springer show and like the, just the carnage of it where you'd be watching it and then it would just be chaos and then... Jerry would be like just pouring little bits of petrol on the fire. He would. And then it would get into the actual show. And the, the longevity of the show as well. It was on for the, years. The longevity of, of the show was brilliant. Um, and I mean, it ran from what it was maybe 91 through to 2018. Like yeah. it was huge. So here we go. My set mum is trying to steal my sister. Uh, trying to steal my man, sorry. <laughs> so you don't think it's inappropriate in any 
So they're going back and forward. The stepmom. They're face to face. The crowd is loving it. Jerry is just strolling. Oh, down. they're into it. They're, they're in into it. it. The straight Steve, and the, and get the in bell. there, Steve. <laughs> oh, oh and, they, and there is just slaps going left, right, and center. The yep. bell would be going, provoking everything. Jerry Springer. There's multiple security guards now on the stage. Mate, I've got one more for you. And this is one that I didn't really, I, f- I completely forgot about, was the audience Q&A. Remember oh, yeah. the audience Q&A? At the end of the show, the audience, so all the contestants who were on the show, or you call them contestants, or all the participants of the show, would be sitting up and the audience could have a Q&A session with them. And then that would often turn into chaos, as we see here. All right, so my question's for Isla. And um, who's better in bed, your girlfriend or his, or her cousin? Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the crowd in this section would just throw out thought, you know, provocative questions, and they'd be stirring up the contestants. Or they'd make vicious judgments. Uh, who's better in bed, your girlfriend or her brother? Trying to bring home the other guy next to you because I saw you talking to him way more than your wife. The <laughs> <laughs> so the crowd are just sitting there and they're just stirring the pot, and it's and it inevitably I kicks off. Question. I had advice and, for the lesbian couple: you should do like I did and use a turkey baster to save you a lot of trouble. <laughs> I have a question for Willie Nelson. Uh, my yeah. friend was. <laughs> Oh, now, she's, into, she's running into the crowd. And now one of the guests on the show is sprinting into the crowd, going after one of the um, one of the audience because they've asked a uh, a question that was a little bit touchy. Oh, that's fantastic. So, and finally, mate, with Jerry Springer to to you know finish it all up. The final thought. You would have the final thought, and despite the chaos, he would just smooth it all over with a few wise words. So rest in peace to Jerry Springer. Um, yeah, fantastic entertainer, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's made definitely entertainment different for a, a whole generation. Yeah, there are many people who you can say really changed uh, a generation and really had an impact on a generation. But if you went back to uh, my generation in high school, everyone was watching Jerry Springer and everyone was interested. Absolutely. Jerry Springer, we tip our hat to you. Uh, mate, the name of the studio. Drum the, roll. The, the votes came in. However, the official name of our studio has come from left field potty. Our studio is known as the Robert Allenby Studio. Oh, Allenby, Robert the Allenby. only man to not only be a professional golfer but also be abducted whilst undertaking a golf tournament in Hawaii and then realizing that he maxed out his credit card at the strip club and he was not abducted at all. He just got too drunk and he fell over and hit his head on a rock. Yep. So. Um, I was actually, just when the suggestions came through about what we should call the studio, all of them were fantastic. However, for those of you who 
talk to me on WhatsApp, you would know that my profile picture is actually a picture of Robert Allenby <laughs> with grazers on his face from a webcam after he was doing an interview. So when that was pointed out to me by one of our fans, I thought, yeah, it was just fate. So the Robert Allenby studio is where all our production occurs and that's what it will be referred to from this point forward. So thank you to all those who voted. Um, just to finish off, mate, before we get into the heavy hitting stuff, the local butcher, mate. The local butcher. Mate, the local butcher has definitely caught my eye because I was eating some succulent meat from the local butcher. And, you know, I can be a man of convenience at times, Potty. I can be going through the local supermarket and just going, you know what, the big chains and just go, look, it's just easier to grab my meat here. Yep. I got some sausages from the local butcher on the weekend and I tell you what, they did not miss. They never do, do they? They are next level. So, um, listeners out there, do yourselves a favour. Go and see your local butcher. Go and get your fix of meat from your local butcher this weekend because it's definitely worth it. You will not be disappointed. And finally, mate, Solo. Solo, the thirst crusher. I think they've finally nailed the sugar-free drink, mate. I had Solo Zero the Solo other day. Zero. I hadn't had it before. You know, I'm not a massive, I'm a full-strength man. I love, you know, if I'm going to drink Coke, it's going to be full-strength Coke. In you for know? a penny, in for a pound. Absolutely. But Solo, when it comes to sugar-free drink, they've nailed it. Well... I'm going to have to give it a go because I've never, I've never tried the, the zero sugar solo. Mate, it is the closest you will get to the real deal. Wow. So, and when you, you know, when you're cutting calories, you know, when you're treating your body like a temple and calories matter, yeah. you know, you want full taste as well. As I do at least two out of the seven days a week. <laughs> the two that aren't cheat days. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the two and five diet. Uh, yeah, so solo... I tip my hat to you as well because, you know, you have absolutely nailed it with the sugar-free drink. That's it for um, what has caught our eyes, mate. So should we get into some rugby league chatter? Let's get into the footy. The rugby league final was a big Wembley occasion. Oh, get that in here! So, last week's rounds, Sharks, comfortable, handsome winners over the Cowboys, 44-6. The Eels have done the same to the Knights, 43-12. The Bronx went down to the Rabbitohs, 32-6. Now, the first three games bucked the trend of real close contests mm. that we've had so far this year. Yeah, definitely. But lucky the Raiders and Redcliffe didn't let us down with a 31 31- uh, 30 victory to the Raiders, albeit with a little bit of controversy, but oh, yeah. we wouldn't have it any other way. And then another big score, Titans, a surprise score for me, getting over Manly at Brookie. Oh, mm. not Brookie. What are they now at the moment? Um, I don't know. Not Lotto Land either. Something about Pines. Four Pines. Four Pines, four pines. yeah. Yeah, Four, four Pines Brewery. 26 to 10. Yeah. Then, but, but we're traditionalists here. Brookvale Oval. Brookvale Oval, that's right. Uh, then... Grego, your Panthers went down to a very, very um, impressive Tigers team in the wet up there. It was ugly. It, it was an ugly game, but um, yeah, full credit to the Tigers. I, I think it's it's been brewing. Yeah. I think if you look at it uh, on a whole, I, 
you know, the Tigers have been playing much better football in the last three weeks. Yeah, and definitely. And it's been brewing. So, yep, got to take that. Uh, the Chookies took down the Warriors 14-0 over in New Zealand. Clean and, sheet. And then a close game to finish it off with the Doggies getting up over the Dragons 18-16. And the Storm just got the chocolates against the bye. Well, the Storm, they were shoe-ins there. Uh, mate, your match of the round, you had a prediction of the Sharks versus Cowboys. How did you go, mate? That was a bit of a blowout. Did that stay your match of the round, or what did we go with? No, nah, I shafted that one. Couldn't couldn't stay with that. The Cowboys were disappointing, and I must say disappointing again, and the Sharks were quite impressive. Blew them away, and it wasn't really a contest from very early in the game. So I moved on, and I'm sorry to say, mate, I did pick the Tigers versus the Panthers. Um uh, what a performance from the Tigers out there in the wet. They were committed. I uh, think wet's an understatement. It well, was lashing it was torrential. Down. Well down to the um, ground out there, though. Yeah. It held up quite well. It was beautiful. Mudgy? Uh, Bathurst. Bathurst. So, Bathurst, Bathurst. For, for the Panthers. The Panthers yep. take one game each year out to Bathurst. Yeah, so which is fantastic. Um, and the uh, Bathurst locals got out there, even though the horrendous conditions, but which yeah. was fantastic to see. A performance from Luke Brooks, which was 10 years in the making. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I thought he was good, but I mean, two 40-20s. I I think the real shining light for the Tigers was that young fullback. Yeah, Buller? Yeah. Yeah, He he was was great. He was very good. Didn't give up on the play when Nathan Cleary was all but over the line. Oh, mate, he threw his head at him. And that's, you know, that, that impact was, you know, what led to the led to the lost ball so yeah, yeah exactly he and, had a cracking game and yeah so it was great to see from for the tigers because i have felt for the fans lately but you were right it's been coming they mm. were very good in the second half against Parramatta about a month ago yep nearly came back then they were quite good against manly last week led with 10 minutes to go i think and then lost um and it just smelt like they'd just forgotten how to win yeah. and then they finally got over the, the mighty Panthers out in Bathurst which was a well deserved win be interesting to see if they can back it up they certainly had the opportunity to go on a little bit of a run they've got the Dragons this week who've made a host of changes yep um, Hook Anthony Griffin obviously looking for a little bit of a um, something out of there the latest change needs, today needs just, a bounce back so so Lomax got dropped yeah yeah did you see Ben Hunt's been moved to hooker okay yeah I just read that today I don't get that yeah no I don't get that either he's the best halfback at the club so that's where he should be so top five or six halfback in the competition for the last in a competition that lacks halfbacks that's right 100% like Dragons gonna be honest if you don't want him to play halfback I'm pretty sure there's five or six clubs out there will have him playing halfback Yes, um, is that does that open the door for a maybe a Kyle Flanagan or someone who might be looking for an opportunity if Ben Hunt makes a transition to hooker? Is you know maybe is that sort of smoothing a pathway there? Yep, get perhaps. the rumor mill flowing. Yep, perhaps you know, and I think Kyle uh, Kyle Flanagan is a good player. He um, hmm. definitely has some. I think he's at a good spot at the moment if he does make that. Move over to Manly, playing yeah. under, playing behind Cherry Evans. Just watch how a real, real pro does it. Yeah, and I, I don't know what that means for someone like Cooper Johns, though. Because Cooper Johns, um, you know, he seems as though he's played more grade this year than mm. he has when he was at the Storm. But, you know, does that, you know, create a, another hurdle for him? Or is that, you know, are you then running around with two, 
you know, players on the cusp of first grade rather than having one player who's ready for first grade. So, so yeah. I think Cooper Johns might be in the sixth jersey. We'll touch on this later, but I think the Schuster experiment at number six is at least on the back burner mm. for the moment. So Yeah, we're definitely going to get into that. Yeah. What about your match of the round, mate? Mate, the match of the round for me, it went to the Raiders and Redcliffe. Um, Wagga. Just, it was, you know, the weather wasn't the great out in the central west of New South Wales over the weekend. Um, but it just turns out, I just, there's something special about a teams taking NRL top class football to the country. And the facilities that get provided in a lot of these communities are so good hmm. that it does not make a difference. And it gives an opportunity for people to go and see NRL rugby league. So... That had me going at the start, but it was a really good contest. Um, I was speaking with a Raiders fan toward the end, and I mean, I, as just someone who tipped them, was so frustrated. I could not believe that they butchered the Phil Gull at the end of that game that could have put it away, mm. and they had to go to Golden Point. Like, the complete lack of a leader to be able to guide that team like they, they were headless chooks in those last few sets where all they had to do was they were there all they had to do was for the halfback whether it be Fogarty or, or White to go give me the ball and I'm going to kick a point well you touched on the lack of real high quality halves in the competition before so mm. someone who can steer a team in those moments but it was I mean I've seen 13 year olds control the game better than that yeah, okay. when it's on the when it's on the line like to have no concept of where you are and then have Elliot Whitehead come over after it blowing up as the captain going why did you not kick the bloody one point yep. like I mean as a half that's a damning you know assessment of, of what you've done there and it doesn't make sense because your head coach was one of the best halves like, oh, I wasn't he? Yeah, so I don't... Yeah, I mean, there, there possibly were some discussions after that. Well, but I it, think Fogarty would be pretty happy that he got the um, opportunity he got to it. do it and yeah, get they, it in the end. They ended up getting the win, and I thought it was a really, really good back-and-forward game. I think both teams, you know, aren't going to be there or thereabouts. I think they're going to, you know, probably be 500s, you know, just, you know, win-loss, win-loss, yep. both those teams from now forward. Um, I think the... The season starting to catch up with, with Redcliffe. I think um, the Dolphins are starting to, you know, we're starting to see that there, there's going to be a full season of this, not just the the bounce of the first few rounds. And that's what we feared would happen early on in the the first month of the competition. You knew how they were coming out, but they're playing every week like they're playing the final series. Yeah, and and it's exciting. You know, oh, it's, it's great. exciting as as a as a new team. So that was the match for me. Um, yeah. And it was uh, just an interesting talking point at the end there, the emotion that Jack Whiten showed. Um, you know, it, it, it shows that players are human beings, and I think that's that's really important to acknowledge. There was a lot said during the week about him moving to South, and, you know, I, I enjoy that. I, I enjoy the fact that players are willing to wear their heart on their sleeve and actually show who they are as individuals as well. So that's something to, to touch on there. Yeah, probably why he's had such a strong relationship with Ricky over the years. Ricky's very much that sort of a coach, isn't he? Yeah. He was quite upset in the presser as well. Yep. Um, talking about uh, the discussion points, mate, Schuster is fat again. Yeah. So after hearing all off-season that Josh Schuster is training the house down, he's, mate, he's just nailing everything, and he is 
given the six jersey to start the season, I mean, whispers coming out of Brookie is telling us that the wheels are falling off the wagon. The attitude's in the bin again. He's Good. fat. He's in the fat club. Cherry yeah. Evans said as much in an interview the other yeah. day. Your captain saying that he needs to work harder on these things. He did all but say that he's not up to scratch as far as fitness is concerned. Yeah, so um, in which was published by Fox Sports, so the daughter of the late Bob Fulton and former Pathways operator Christy Fulton, she's blasted him as well and said he's just immature and he needs to grow up. You yeah. know, so that's pretty damning in, in itself. But, you know, when it comes to Josh Schuster, 800K a season, and he's not a 580 in my opinion. No. You know, if you're going to pay him that money, that's fine, but he needs to develop into a damaging edge back rower. Damaging edge back rower, perhaps a, a, a 13 down the track. Yeah. Certainly got the ball skills, certainly got the, um, the footwork. And speaking of ball skills, mate, a good example of that was Dave Taylor. Like, yeah, Dave. big Dave, the Coltrane. He had ball skills, but yep. he didn't get a six put on his back. No. You know what I mean? Like, he had the chip and chase. He had everything in the in the toolkit, and he was a massive unit, but they didn't ever just go, oh, well, you're going to be a 5'8". I mean, I'm sure he would have loved it. Yeah. So, um, I mean, anyway, they didn't just give, you know, you can't just give away a six jersey to justify a payback, it is my point. Yeah, I agree, 100%. And there was very strong talk last year that Kieran Foran, club great, mm. was moved on so that Schuster could have the number six jersey. And and is that is that a manifestation of the fact that they didn't have the coaches in positions that they wanted there? Because Seabold wasn't there yet. They hadn't come to terms with him. So when these decisions are made at an organisational level and then your coach walks in and goes... I might have a few different ideas to that. Yeah, you know, the, the these sort of cracks in the in the foundations can show up. Yeah, well, that hundred percent. Um, Anthony Seabold has uh, come into Manly. He's at Manly now. Yeah, and, and he's um, he's inherited this team in this five eight who's being paid eight hundred k a year, and he's like, oh no, I don't think you're a five eight. Yeah, well, and and that's you know that's on that's on the club. Yeah. I mean, poor old Seabold. I mean, he only just woke up. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> to a... find out that this was his squad. Yeah. Uh, what else we got, mate? Um, so we've touched on the Jack White and debacle, and yeah. um, and I think the, we've covered that the Raiders statement. Um, so there's been a lot of talk around the salary cap, and does it work? What are your thoughts, Greg? Eh? What are your thoughts on the salary cap? I'll take a deep breath, mate. Yeah, um, it needs that one. It serves a purpose, but I, I don't think the salary cap is something that you can completely hang your hat on and go, we're going to even up a competition. There's yep. got to be more. Um, and this is where it leads into other discussions which I think are more pertinent, like... Um, you know, the contracts, players agreeing to contracts yep. months in advance, almost, you know, seasons in advance in terms of, you know, bill kick out. Yeah. Um, and also two suggestions like a draft, you know, bring a draft back. So, I mean, although it's important to have the discussion, um, we've got to 
you know, salary cap's not going to heal all those sorts of little issues around um, that those other areas are possibly looking to address. Um, I can understand if we look at players agreeing to contracts months in advance. Used to have the June 30 deadline. June 30 deadline. Yes, so they they wanted to get rid of it. Now, just winging it, I would suggest that they wanted to get rid of it because clubs want to prepare their salary cap. They want to make sure that they've got players locked down and they can prepare their salary cap. But on the flip side of that, we're looking at it and we're in a point now where we're arguing that clubs are in a poor position to try and retain players. So my perspective of that is have transfer windows. Have a mid-season transfer window for your final transfers and an end-of-season two-month window where you can make transfers. And players who are free agents can only sign in those windows unless they are no longer registered to a club. So for example... If you're a team and you're trying to say, for example, if we look at the Raiders Jack Whiten issue as a as a scenario, Jack Whiten can't sign with South until October. As soon as the season's finished, he can't sign with them. So that gives the Raiders the opportunity to go, well, maybe South might change their mind. Maybe South have got other areas that pop up that they, you know, they're saying that there'll be some money for you in October, but what happens if there isn't? So it pushes the the onus back on the, the club with the player to be able to have the opportunity to go, hey, we can give you this money now, you can sign it now, you're free to do it, but if you want to take the risk and wait till the end of the year, it might not be what they're offering you now because that those things can change. You so might it really, drop out of form, you might do your ACL. That's exactly right. So it gives the club who actually have the player under contract now at least the protection of having that extra time. Now, I know Gus Gould's mentioned it many a times as well that, oh, they just do deals anyway, this, that and the other. Yeah, of course they do, but who cares? That's right. It, you it, know, who cares? Because they can do all the deals they want, but, but they, until they can actually sign that bit of paper, those deals can fall apart. It, so exactly. The player agents are gonna want. Well, they're not gonna like this. You want the surety of yeah. the fact that you know if and if the club who actually holds the the player's contract currently, then goes well. We've got three months or so to be able to work with you on this one, and try and wedge it in our own advantage because we're you know we we sort of deserve that. We've give, mm. we've already had you on our books and you know especially when we're talking about development players, players that have come through a junior system to give them that extra leverage is is important. Yeah. So just you touched on the draft? Yeah. And the draft comes up every now and again. It's never been seriously spoken about in rugby league for 30 years. Well um, there's obviously it, the draft history is yes. is a legal issue in in the game. So, yep. w- would a draft work though in rugby league? The first question I'd say you'd have to ask is: Would a draft work if the precedent's already been set by Terry Hill? Yeah, you know. So for for those who are maybe young listeners or or are not aware, the draft was. It would have been the late eighties. Yeah, I think it was early nineties. Yeah, yeah, late eighties, early nineties. The New South Wales Rugby League at the time put a draft in for the competition so players were drafted and Terry Hill was drafted I believe to South Sydney yeah Terry Hill was a 
very good player. Played for Manly, played well, for Australia. Played he was for most known for... So his Western Suburbs was yep. where he ended up. He wanted to go. Yep. And then he went to Manly after that where he was, you know, a household name, international class player, great centre. And then he went back to the West Tigers when they formed as a, as a merger club. Terry Hill challenged the draft and he won in the Supreme Court. So the draft fell flat on its face at that point. So that's why Rugby League has never had a draft since. Yeah. Because it was thrown out in court. So how can you continue to press if there's a precedent set in, you know, in court? It's like the South Sydney when they were readmitted into the competition. Everybody went, oh, well, they've just said that, you know, they shouldn't look at them. No, no, no. The precedent was set. They Mm. were never going to lose. So if the ARL or the Rugby League at the time turned around, NRL said no, we're still not going to let you in. They would have lost the next court case anyway and it would cost them millions and millions more in legal fees. Like, once the precedent is set in a, in a court, I mean, it generally everything falls into yeah. place from there. So um, the concerns I'd have about the draft is, number one, getting it up and running, yeah. as we've explained. But number two, um, I truly believe, and, you know, there's been comments made, you know, it's... Similar to Australia becoming a republic. You know how people will go, oh, we should become a republic. Yep. It's like, yeah, fair enough. that's a fair enough statement to make. What, what type of republic are we going to be? Yep. How's it going to work? You know, once you start asking these additional questions, people go, oh, no, no, we just want to be a republic. Yeah. You know, it's the same with the draft. How is an NRL draft going to work? So how is it going to work? And if you look at the the codes and the sports around the world that have really well-functioning draft systems, they don't have competing codes. Yeah. They don't have competing competitions in the same sport. So, for example, the NFL, NHL, Major League Baseball, the AFL, there's no other competition doing AFL, you know, so you'll find, and the NBA... People aren't going to... The NBA teams aren't worried about a player choosing to go to the Cairns Taipans instead of playing for the Los Angeles Lakers. It is there's not even a competition or a discussion there. When people leave or players leave the NBA, they go to Europe or they go to Australia or they go elsewhere, but it doesn't impact their draft because this is where they want to be. They want to be in the NBA. So what worries me is this thought that if you haven't got salary cap space for a player and they decide to take that mid-year deal to go over to the UK Super League and then they get homesick after six months they want to come back, where do they fit within a draft? Yeah. So they get drafted, you know, one year, the contract gets rescinded the next year, they go over and play a bit of championship, they come back, they get an offer to be in a top 30, and what, what do they go in a draft again? It is just, it just looks messy, and I don't know how it would work. And I think it, the issues that we've talked about already... I think they could be, you know, remedied by simply having and giving the transfer window a crack. Yeah. No, I like your idea about the transfer window. Yeah, the draft, I don't think it'll ever happen. I think it gets thrown out as a bit of clickbait here and there. Somebody just um, mentions a draft as a Mm. way of evening up the competition. So, yeah. And it it really surprises me, and and I'll, I'll speak about Phil Gould again, because, you know, I... It would be amazing to have a conversation with him because he is someone who is so good at explaining the value of junior development. But that, again, 
takes the onus away from the clubs on developing juniors if they're going into a draft system. Yeah, you, you know, look it puts at it back to the NRL. You look at what the Panthers have built out there yeah. over the last ten years under Gould. And look at and look at what he's already doing at yeah at the Bulldogs. Yeah. Like they've already won the Harold Mats this year. Yeah. Like it's the wheels are in motion, and every other club are absolutely mad if they're not jumping on board with it. If yeah. they're not really reviewing their junior pathways and you know, trying to reap the rewards of a strong pathway system. It's mad if clubs aren't doing it. It's the only way. Oh. Rightio, mate. Where we go to next week? Next. Ma- magic weekend. Magic round. Magic. The magic is here. Have you ever been to Magic Round, mate? I haven't been to Magic Round. Now, I it is it is on the bucket list. I've I've got one of my one of my best mates has been absolutely hammering me. We've we've got a, a golf charity day this weekend, so so we're double booked. Um, but I did suggest it that we we could go up. We couldn't make it happening, and my mate is absolutely filthy. He's you know I mean if you think Ricky Stewart having a crack at Jamin Salmon was bad. Oh. You know, the things that my mate has, has thrown my way, the, the sledges, you know, the fact that I couldn't meet him up in, in Brizzy, um, you know, I'll be hearing about it for the rest of the year, that's for sure. Well, I've been, mate. I went back in 2019. Tell me about it. Mate, it uh, sounds magic. Went there and watched, watched a couple of games, Newcastle versus Canterbury. No, nothing real flash. Waiting for the main event, Saturday night, 7.30, Come on, Parramatta. Started the year so well. Ran into the Melbourne Storm in a debuting Ryan Pappenhausen, 60 to 4. Oh, yes. Oh, mate. And um, now, is he a Kellyville Bush Ranger? Pappenhausen? I think he's a I, Parramatta junior. He is. <laughs> which, is which is even worse. They're all Parramatta juniors, mate. Yeah, I think he, he, it's a, he's either from Kellyville or maybe Hills District or somewhere like that, I think, Pappenhausen. Well, but thank God he was at the Tigers um, before yeah. he went to Melbourne so they can sink so the that, boot into them instead yeah. of Parramatta for letting well, he, him go. He's is the pain. But, um, I mean, Parramatta are looking for a bit of X Factor at one, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, I mean, in terms of, you know, betting and having a punt, because we don't mind a flutter. Um, would we be able to get odds on Alfie Langer being at the Caxton Hotel this weekend? Oh. <laughs> what would that be paying? I think I think betting has been suspended. Betting is suspended. You would actually uh, you'd be minus money. I think so. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that sounds and that's definitely on the bucket list for us. And you know we're doing big things here at the Sport Detention. I would suggest that possibly a, a podcast uh, up at. The Magic Weekend in 2024 is in order. I'd, I'd say so. What games we got, mate? Uh, Bulldogs versus Raiders. Yep. Uh, Manly versus the Broncos, which is actually a Manly home game. They take up there each year. Yep. Warriors versus Panthers. Your pennies. I, th- I expect them to bounce back well there. Sharks versus the Dolphins. Another test for the Dolphins. Storm versus the Bunnies. Then mm. Tigers versus the Dragons. Roosters v the Cowboys, then the Titans taking on the Eels in the closing match of the round. And of course, Newcastle have got the buy, and word is... Oh, mate. I think I know where you're going with this. Hit us with it, mate. They're off to Bali, mate. Dead set. Dead set. Give yourselves an uppercut. Like, seriously, I mean, it wouldn't hurt to train or it wouldn't hurt, you know, to go to Bali. What could possibly go wrong? Look, I know Knights that you guys have performed quite well this year and put in some performances that have been more impressive than what you auditioned up last year. 
But look, your record at the moment, you're not even 50-50. Like, isn't there a bit of training you can do? The match, like, I was stoked to see the Matters get the Chockeys the other night. But, mate, did you see the games? The Knights were dreadful. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's if you're a long-suffering Novocastrian and you're like, we're, we're getting some momentum, there's, you know, the players look like they've, there's a bit of pride in the jersey, and you're like, oh, geez, I, I hope they have a big big week this week, get the bodies fit and healthy, and let's go. And then next minute you're hearing that they're going to be at Mississippi doing backflips off the, off the diving board and uh, drinking buckets, eating Boss Burger, and having a revolver coffee, like I mean, it is just a stitch up. Like three wins, mate. They've had three wins. Yeah, I mean, I do love barley. Oh well. <laughs> I mean, I do. I blame them. No, do I think it's the smartest uh, decision in terms of where their trajectory is for the NRL season? Probably not. No, I, I couldn't agree more. But moving on from that, let's get into your match of the round, mate. Storm rabbits for me, mate. I, th- I don't think you can go past it, to be honest. Like uh, I haven't, I haven't gone past it. It's yeah, so we're, well, mate. so we're going we're for a grace. double Storm Rabbits. Um, yeah, I think it's you know Storm bringing in good form, bunnies good form. I think it's it's the marquee matchup of the of the weekend. I, yeah, there's Storm, not much more I can say about that. Storm have the wood on them. They, I think yep. bunnies beat them last year, but besides that, it's been very very dry for the last. Seven or eight years, I think, at least. Yeah, and it's but it's been such a different season uh, this year. So I would suggest that um, you know it, I wouldn't be surprised to you know for form lines to be thrown out the window on these. Can't wait! Can't wait! Rightio, mate. Uh, so that's that's us for the footy. Um, now, when we talk about you know when we entertain ourselves and we look at um, sort of. You know, streaming, entertainment, and the like. Um, you know, we're we're spoiled for choice at times, Potty. And um, I was watching Perfect Match this week. Perfect Match. Have you checked out Perfect Match? Do I've you know watched what? a little bit of Perfect. Perfect match. match. So, so I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to admit to the listeners that you know I'm a bit of a sucker for some reality TV. There is, you know, there is something if there is, uh, you know, just a little cheeky. Uh, leisure time that I have with my wife it's sitting down and watching a bit of uh, a bit of saucy reality TV we do enjoy it we do it's something that we have in common um, so I've, I've ducked in and I've I've turned on the Netflix I've seen the new new show perfect matches dropped so I thought oh look I'm gonna have to go and check this out any familiar faces host Nick Lachey Nick Lachey Nick Lachey now I tell you what Nick Lachey so for those of you who don't know who Nick Lachey is, Nick Lachey was the ex-husband of Jessica Simpson. They mm. they were, you know, the original. You know, they were original reality reality TV couple with their show after they got the married. Match. Oh, yeah. Well. So Nick Lachey, I mean, he just brings that middle-aged dad look, but he is so handsome. Oh, I mean, good Nick Lachey, he's he, he's you know he's a good-looking rooster, absolutely, but. I started watching this show, Potty, and it quickly became apparent why these fucking galas are still single, mate. I'm telling <laughs> you what, like, this is an absolute joke. Like, 
it, it it's cleared up immediately you know that when they walk into the house and it's all about oh, i'm here to find my perfect match but you know i actually i know him i hooked up with him on instagram three weeks ago like it's just <laughs> oh mate it's an absolute train wreck um you know there's a fella on there he, and the, uh, what I've realised is, which I, I'm, I'm a bit off, is the fact that they all come from other reality shows now. Yeah. It's almost like... It's a career. Yeah, it's a career. You get on a reality show and then you're just bouncing around the different shows. So they all know each other because they do sort of marketing events together and this, that and the other. So it's completely taken the fabric of what the shows are meant to be about. Are you suggesting it's out. taken the romance out of it as well? It has, mate. Wow. It has. I mean... I'm, a, I'm when, a sucker for a bit of romance. When we look at, you know, and talking about romance, so when we got someone like Shane who's in the show, and Shane was left at the altar in his previous show, and he was ditched. Yeah, on, I did see that part. Room. I did see that part. He was I mean, gutted. Absolutely gutted. And then two months later, he's on a new show. And I mean, Shane, he looks like... Willem Dafoe, if Willem Dafoe was on meth. That's a, I mean, if you, Wait, looked at, if you looked at an image of Shane and you looked at Willem Dafoe, you'd go, oh, gee, it's uh, Willem's, he's, he's fallen off. Can I just clarify? Willem's not on meth? I mean, yes, he doesn't. I mean, <laughs> have doesn't. you seen Boondock Saints? Yes, I, I mean, I have seen it. It's a great film. If you haven't seen it, Boondock Saints, what a watch. Yeah, it is a, it's a ripper. Um, yeah, he played a different cat in that one. He did. He's he a did. Flamboyantly gay investigator. He was. was he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was. Um, oh, he's a great actor. Good actor. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah. I mean, Shane. The. I mean, he just a side profile. I was like, oh, that's Willem Dafoe. Yeah. But um, you know, talking about the fabric and taking the romance out of reality TV, mate. I mean. I think of the greats like Temptation Island. Mm. Remember the first season of Temptation Island. So these couples on Temptation Island. This is back in 2001. Yeah, turn they, of the century stuff, cutting so, edge. So these guys, is basically, they don't even know what a pocket camera is, you know, and they turn up to this island with their partner because they're just going to test the, the strength of their, of their, you know, relationship. So the boys get shipped off to one island, the girls to another, and then the boys just think, Oh, you beauty, we've got the green light here. <laughs> we've got the green light here. So there's 13 just stunning singles of the opposite gender at each island, and it just turned into an absolute party fest, and, you know, there was bodies flying everywhere, if you know what I mean. Um, X on the Beach was another one, the early seasons of X on the Beach. They were just brilliant. Like, you know, nobody knew each other other than the fact that there was a bit of beef there with your ex when they got brought into the house. And the and Love Island, you know, the early seasons of Love Island when people didn't know each other. It was just, that was the good stuff. And, and I sound like an old codger now when I'm saying the good old days of reality TV, but that's just me. Yeah. What do you think, mate? Yeah, mate, I've never dumped into the reality TV as much. I mean, when it first started to come about, I suppose reality TV really started to jump, jump up a little bit back at the turn of the century. You had your big brother and things yeah. like that. But I never really jumped into the matchmaking um, matchmaking stuff. But I do remember Temptation Island in that oh, first mate. season way back then. People were talking about it with their morals and ethical hat. Oh, wearing it proud, and then they'd be watching it all night long. <laughs> oh, mate, it's just like they just kiss. Oh, I'm going to miss you so much. And then half an hour later, they're bloody, 
you know, doing backflips and doing cocktails and skinny dipping with, with 13 stunners. And everyone was, was talking about how trash the show was, but couldn't stop oh, watching yeah, it. It's, but the ratings were through the roof. <laughs> I think the, the funny thing was that was they would just, like, especially the first night when they all got there, they're just running around, getting loose. And then the next day they realised that they had it all on footage and they showed it to the partner on the other side of the island <laughs> and then just watching all of their lives just sap out of them and going oh the foundations look at them <laughs> what a classic one i mean this is one that uh, i think our listeners i'm going to leave you with this one because this is um this is a youtube research project for this one space cadets mate have you ever heard of space cadets talking about reality shows mm. Familiar, but remind me. So Space Cadets was a reality show from the UK who do reality. I mean, the UK do it good. And these contestants thought they were going into space. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. they've put them into a... They've set them up and they've basically... You're, you're applying for this show. We're going to put you into space. And they've set up this Russian-styled military base where they all went to and had to do their passports and everything. And they were in a shuttle in a studio thinking that they're walking around at the International Space Station. Yeah. You, you're probably not... A, you're listening to this and you're going, oh, you're full of it. You're, you're on one ear, Gregor. No, this is no yeah, lie. Right. And then none of them thought to think... Thought to think that, gee, there, there happens to be gravity in here. <laughs> <laughs> like, not even the simplest thing like that it's like they're looking out the window and they'd obviously had, yeah. you know, props out there to make it look like they were out of space, looking at these screens in the wi- embedded into the windows. But none of them thought to think that, well, I'm just walking around here. I'm not bouncing around or floating like everybody else does in the space station. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so if you want to jump on YouTube, you'll find that Space Cadets. Do well yourselves a favour. Go and check it out. And they sort of, they do a little mini documentary on it and how much of a piss take it was. But... Um, if I was to give the new perfect match a rating, body, what rhymes with poo? <laughs> two. I'll so give it a two. You'll give it I'll a two. I'll give it a two, mate. Oh. oh, where to now, mate? Mate, we've got to go off to see a bit of football, mate. We need to look at the Premier League wrap this week. So, running through the games for us. Palace, 4-3 over West Ham. Brighton, 6-0 over the Wolves. Ooh. Then Brentford, 2-1 over Forest. United, 1-0 over Villa. Big win for the boys. City, 2-1 over Fulham. Bournemouth, 4-1 over Leeds. Yeah, there's a big result for the Cherries there. Newcastle, uh, three one winners over Southampton. Liverpool, four three over Spurs. Uh, big match there, but we'll get into that. Uh, the Toffees, one all draw with Leicester. Really needed the re- really point. needed the point, but three would have been absolutely um, oh, just needed. But yeah. anyway. look, I'll just quickly jump on that. Like um, Jamie Vardy. Like, if Leicester get relegated, Leicester are in trouble. 
Someone's got to pick up Jamie Vardy. Oh. Like, Man United need a striker. And I just watched Jamie Vardy the other day. He's he's 53, isn't he? Yeah, he, oh, he's, he I mean, he's been around forever. Yeah. yeah. You know, from Fleetwood Town through to the Premier League winner. But the, he he's, hasn't lost a yard of pace. No. He, he'll be valuable for someone. But anyway, sorry, mate. I jumped no, in no. on that. And um, Arsenal picked up a 3-1 win over Chelsea. The Gunners. Absolutely needed on their end. Match of the round, mate. Who did you pick for your match of the round? Well... It was a good round of matches. It was our first full uh, weekend in a fortnight. Well... I did what I said I wasn't going to do last week, and I went the Liverpool Spurs game. Yeah, I couldn't do that. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I took you, one you, for the team. It was a good game. I'll give it that much. Yeah, so the Liverpool shot out, didn't they? They got out really quick. They were up um, three uh, nil after three fifteen nil. minutes. Yep. And from there, you're just like, well, this is just well, by how many or and as a diehard United fan who watched Liverpool absolutely pull our pants down. Yep. At Anfield, I thought, oh, Spurs are in trouble here. They're going to take some heat from us. Uh, but Spurs they dug ra- in. They rallied. They rallied, and they ended up scoring an equaliser, I think, in the 93rd minute. And so sharing the points. Wait, no, not sharing <laughs> the points. Now, I'm going to skip over um, the celebration um, of uh, Spurs. Uh, oh, Richarlison. Yeah, yeah oh, mate. He's uh, evident great. Evan Hatoffi's great. I'll tell you what, I could have used him this year. Yeah. Um, but um, Well, he hasn't scored, mate. So no. that was his first goal of the year. So you're a... probably not missing much. But um, yeah, I'm going to leave that one to you a little bit later on, mate. But uh, yeah, then Liverpool get their late goal. And what great theatre. Good game. It was a good game, I yeah. must say. I, I can't bring myself to um, yeah have Liverpool as my match of the round because I like to pretend that I don't watch them. I reckon there might have been a few tellies flicked off, though, when it was 3-0. Yeah. yeah so, But, uh, yeah. Goes bad to worse for Spurs, though. It certainly does. certainly does. What about you, mate? What do you have? Mate, um... Yeah, as I mentioned, I can't pick Liverpool. Um, I honourable mention to Brighton six nil against Wolves, and also Bournemouth two massive wins. Yep. Um, they're doing good things at those clubs. Uh, I've gone for the Arsenal Chelsea game simply because there was goals early for Arsenal. I couldn't pick Liverpool, and a win for Arsenal has somewhat kept them in the title race. So I'm clutching on the straws here. But if anybody who is not named Man City they just had, to, they had to get the three. Didn't I they? will be happy. They had to get the three. Um, yeah, so they had to get to the three to just to at least put some element of pressure. Do I think there's any pressure on City? They seem to be in cruise control, but um, it's it's hope more than anything. Um, Arsenal. I I think something that I did take out of the game is Erdegaard. Martin Erdegaard is he has just turned into some sort of a player. You know, we're talking about a player, a young kid who was signed by Real Madrid when he was. 15, I believe, 15, from Norway. Way too early, you know, but he came through the system. They they brought him through, and then he got his loan moved to Arsenal and then eventually made that permanent. But this season, he has just come into his own. If Arsenal go on to win the title, which I don't think they will, for me, Martin Odegaard has to be the PFA Player of the Year. Yeah, wow. I mean, it's good for Arsenal fans because you go, look, we've got a... A general who is a genuine leader in midfield playing for Arsenal. But the problem is he hasn't scratched that Real Madrid itch. You know, he's left Real Madrid before he hit his, he's hit his peak. 
Real Madrid are losing Tony Cruz and Luka Modric very soon. If they look back at Martin Odegaard, they might go, hey, mate, you got some unfinished business over here. It would be a very attractive move for him. So, yep. you know, Arsenal fans, come on, get a title out of him because there's a good chance he might not be with you. Yeah. That's in the rumour mill, though. So, um, yeah, so that was my match of the round. Um, yeah, and oh, please, somebody stop Man City from winning trophies. It would help me. Yeah, well, <laughs> you've got, United's got the chance. Well, we got the FA Cup. That's, that's a shot for us. Um, and we're hoping as, uh, as the sports detention gets closer to the FA Cup, we've got some, in, uh, some, uh, some good news for the fans and the listeners. So we'll, we'll keep our ear to the ground for that. Look at the European football news, mate. There was an interesting story that popped around in terms of Gareth Bale and Wrexham. What yeah. do you know about Wrexham, mate? Mate, just what I see on Welcome to Wrexham. Welcome to Wrexham. I actually haven't watched I'm a massive fan of, you know, all things football documentaries. Yeah, I haven't watched Sunland it. Sunderland Till I Die. Yeah. You know, the, the all or nothings. I'm, I'm all over them. But, um, yeah, I, it's definitely on the to-do list, Welcome to Wrexham. But, um that sounds like a that that's a marketing genius. That and I think, well, he's got some legs in him. Well, you know, as long as he stops building golf courses on his property, he'd be laughing. Yeah, and you're only you know you're playing league two. Yeah, it'd be a great story. Oh, imagine wouldn't, that. Wouldn't it? Yeah, is he is he up for it? Who knows? But yeah. what's what's it mean to the Wrexham fans the success that they've had? I I think it's something that they can jump on board. Um, it's been done in a different way to, say, for example, the Salford experiment with the class of 92. Yep. So I'm not too sure if you're familiar with the Salford FC. The Salford, which is, you know, obviously it's a, a, it's a, the Parramatta of Manchester. So it just, you know, it's its own city, but it's, it's within the area of Manchester. They were bought out by the class of 92. So Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes, David Beckham, and... Um, also to Peter Lim, who owns Valencia. But when they took over and they started the ball rolling and trying to build this club, they changed a few things. And a lot of the local Salford oh, traditional yeah. fans weren't really happy with it. So they went from an orange strip to a red strip and they went, well, hold on a second, you guys are Man United players. Is this why you want to be red? You know, yeah. I think they've come around and the club is doing really well. And I think they... You know, genuinely seem to enjoy having Gary Neville, Ryan Giggs, and the, the class of '92 as their owners. But it doesn't appear as though Wrexham fans have had any issues with Ryan Ryan Reynolds coming no. through. Like you know, they're basically all on board. It's bringing popular, you know, the discussion and and you know them in. You know, it's all popular, and you know the, they seem to be enjoying it. Might be bringing Gareth Bale. And maybe some Gareth Bale. Yeah. That'd be handy. So watch this space for, for Wrexham fans. But they're, they're in the Football League, mate, which is massive. Yeah. Rightio, mate. Um, we're about to you know, get to the important stuff, mate. Yeah, the, inte here. the integrity the report. The integrity report. Integrity. This is Democracy Manifest. You've got something for me this week, don't you, mate? I have got an integrity report. Now, mate, um, in a week where knobs were eating raw chicken on an escalator, oh. 
I couldn't go past though. Like, I mean, that was I don't. I mean, we can't even get started on that bloke. You know, eating a chicken drummy that hadn't even been cooked. Um, I can't go past a packet of them. A packet. Of a packet of them. Yeah. I Sorry, can't go, go. Yeah, I can't go past the biggest pack of flogs going around, mate. Life coaches. Life coaches. Life coaches. Mate, my algorithm on social media is just it's gone pear-shaped this week and it's because I've dived down the rabbit hole of life coaches. Oh. Potty, do you want to be a high-performing father? What does that even mean? Well. <laughs> What does that even mean? You know, it's, you know, all these videos I'm watching, there's cults taking blokes out in the middle of nowhere to do some sort of Brokeback Mountain leadership exercises. You know, getting in, you know, let's get in touch with our primal ancestry. You know, Potty, I'm going to put it out there. If we were meant to be fully primal, I wouldn't be sitting here talking into a microphone, mate. We'd be rubbing two sticks together to keep warm. (laughs) What are you even talking about, you idiots? So, you know, it's just, it's, and I'm just getting hammered by this stuff. And it's my fault. Yes, I understand how the algorithm works. I watch them and then I share them to everyone and go, have a look at these idiots. But the question has to be posed, mate. What do you need to be a life coach? Oh, well, we're, we're too half intelligent guys we could probably come up with a few ideas i know one of them well give it to me you got to have a secret method a secret method a secret you got to have some sort of secret method that nobody knows about do you know what else you need you need to pretend that there's no money involved <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's no yeah there's definitely no price tag attached to to anything that they share you got to use terminology potty oh yep high performance high, like a well, high performing yeah farmer. sure yep. of course the journey oh didn't Miley Cyrus say that? <laughs> Integrity and brotherhood. Oh, you know, those yes. sort of, yeah, those catchy things. Oh, in a modern society, mate, though, you also need feedback. But it's got to be on stuff that doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and, and make the questions ambiguous. Have you bought anything in the last three months? How did that make you feel? Yeah. Oh. Mate, questions. You've got to ask obvious questions. Like, do you want to succeed in life? Like, yeah. Hey, do you want to succeed in life? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'd be nice. Do you want uh, to win the lotto? Uh, uh, yeah. Oh well, and of course, you need a thought-provoking metaphor. Yes, definitely. You got to, you got to, you know, you got to get people thinking. But not too much. You don't want people thinking too much because they might realise that it's all garbage. This is true. So I thought about a couple of the classics. So I'll throw a couple on you, mate. Yep. Birds born in a cage think flying is an illness. <laughs> uh, what does that even mean? <laughs> uh, hang on, hang on. All right, one, uh, one more here. Life is an elevator. On your way up, sometimes you have to stop to let someone off. Oh, that's true. Or sometimes you've just got to open the doors halfway up and put the boot into them and get them off. Now, funny story about elevators before we go too far. You know how you'd go and, like, sometimes you can go and vote early? Like, say, if you've got to do a mail in or something, yeah. So, basically, I was down back in Sydney. I was down out at Penrith, and um, I was still registered to vote up north in the north coast. So, I've gone to do the mail-in vote, and we've gone on this elevator. Yeah. 
and um, I've got on the elevator, and it's just me and about five quite rotund women got on the elevator with me, and it's a thousand kilo limit. So when this elevator just starts beeping, we're on the elevator. <laughs> I'm, I'm jammed at the back of the scrum. I'm locking the scrum from the inside. And these women are just blowing up. And they, they're just going, why is it, why is it beeping? And I, I was like, oh, yeah, it's obviously because we've exceeded the weight limit. <laughs> so anyway, by the time we all walked off and they'd realised that it was the weight limit, they then started to complain about how rude it is to beep. They go, oh, what, why is it beeping? That's a bit rude, isn't it? I was like, oh, well, or maybe just, you know, go for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> Cut some calories. Like, <laughs> I'd imagine it's a safety, like it's, it's there for a safety mechanism. It is, it yeah. is, but, you know, just the, the entitlement of them to yeah. go, oh, how dare you beep at me because I'm fat. Oh, I had an <laughs> elevator story as well. My first week at uni, I've... um. We were getting a tour and I was in the library and you know there's a thousand people there you've never met in your life and yeah. I end up getting on this elevator. I don't know why I did it. It was going up one floor, one set of stairs, <laughs> one set of stairs. I'll get in there. Get stuck. <laughs> stuck, oh, stuck in there for an yeah. hour and a half. <laughs> people panicking, oh, losing, mate. and they could literally dip out the bottom. So, you, so you've gone from, you know, high school and, yeah. you know, you're just going, oh, well, you know, I'm an adult now. I take elevators. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't have to walk the stairs like I did at school. And yeah. then you've got stuck. Mate, any other metaphors you got for me? Well, mate, none that I've found. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to come up with my own. Yeah, go for it, mate. What do you got? I'm going to chuck this one at you and this will get you thinking. Okay. Life is like eating an entire bucket of chicken. You'll have your regrets but there will be at least one person who probably thinks you're pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, I, I've got a couple for you. Come all on. Right, right. Life is a puzzle. You can only see it once you put all the pieces together. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a Jerry Springer final oh, pull, that one. That is a pearler. Here we go. This one's for my wife. Marriage without friendship. Is like a bird without wings. Oh well, that is romantic. How are we? Me- how are we meant to soar, darling? <laughs> Was that in the vows? <laughs> I can't remember. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so hungry, I could eat the crutch out of a nun's nighty. <laughs> now, this one is the one I've made up. But do you know why I've made that one up? Why have you made it up? And I'll say it again. I'm so hungry I could eat the crutch out of a nun's nighty. My mother-in-law said that after we'd just done a big day in the yard because she didn't realise what she was saying. She's actually taken (laughs) three metaphors and merged them into one. I'm so hungry I could eat the crutch out of a low-flying duck is the first one. The Twelfth Man classic, Dry as a Nun's Nasty, is the second one. <laughs> and the third one is Off Like a Bride's Nighty. And she's merged them all together. I'm so hungry I could eat the crutch out of a nun's nighty. <laughs> <laughs> so classic work from my lovely mother-in-law there. Um, however, mate, personal favourite of mine. Straight from the streets of Western City. Talk shit, get hit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Talk shit, get hit. Tell Words your story walking. Why. Words to live by. Um, now, in addition to the uh, life coaches, mate, another one that has been 
pestering me is online marketing and advertising programs, right? Yeah. You know, just saying dumb comments like, I'm just one of you guys battling a way to run a small f- business, <laughs> but I found the secret. <laughs> yeah. Don't spend all this time putting together videos and content to advertise. It's too time consuming and it doesn't get results. Hey, fuck with. That's exactly what you're doing. You're sending me a video <laughs> trying to advertise your shit. Stop it. I'll get you high-paying clients, Potty. What is a high-paying client if the price is the price? <laughs> the price is the price. Everyone pays the same. Oh. Good story, Potty. This one. There's a bloke who popped up on my Instagram feed flogging off a funnel marketing scheme. So anyway, I thought to myself, I've looked at his head and I've gone, I know that bloke. This bloke I played footy with. <laughs> I played footy with this guy over in the UK. Potty, I'm going to be honest with you. The last time I saw this bloke, he was making love to a woman in a back alley he'd just met in the pub <laughs> in North London. And now he's selling me snake oil techniques <laughs> on Instagram. But the funny thing about these programs though, Potty, is they're being flogged off in the same section as one of my pet peeves, Grippy Socks. And the other one that I don't think we've discussed before, TheraSooth Headwear. Therasooth. Have you seen TheraSooth Headwear? I'm going to have to show you an image of this, mate. And for you listeners at home, check out TheraSooth Headwear. Now, it is to help with migraines. <laughs> <laughs> it is to help with migraines. It oh. is a compression cold treatment, and it dead set. If you click it up, it dead set looks like people are putting a foreskin on. <laughs> <laughs> it is dead set. But like, they're on special at the moment. Oh, <laughs> mate, and they're on special. It is dead set. So there's these women models wearing those things, and it dead set looks like they've got a foreskin. Oh, that is cracking. TheraSooth headwear, guys. Go and check it out. But in summary, Potty, in summary especially the gentleman, being a male, I, I speak for us, our students, as we like to call our listeners. Work hard. Serve people with your actions, potty. When your kids ask to do something, say yes. Read to your kids and just listen to them when they speak. Be appreciative of your wife. Tap her on the backside. Give her a kiss on the neck. Make her feel special. If your wife sends you a podcast suggestion, she's telling you something. I got a podcast suggestion the other day, how to manage anger. I just spent five minutes yelling at my computer. (laughs) She was telling me something. (laughs) And there's one more important thing for every bloke bloke out there, Potty. Sign up to my members' workshop, Magda. Make all dads great again. And for $163,000, I can give you the secrets to freedom, success while also connecting with your primal ancestry. <laughs> what do you think? Oh, wow. <laughs> In the fair income department, mate, life coaches, marketing guru, gurus, you're a bunch of oxygen thieves. There are no shortcuts in this world, Potty. No shortcuts. If you find yourself holding the secret to success, how about you use it to make the world a better place? Wow. Instead of trying on. to make money out of people. Yep. <laughs> So that is the integrity report for this week. And I think we've gone in hard on that mob of galahs, but they deserve it. Nailed it. All right, mate. So we're, so off, to, we're off to other sports yeah, now. Yeah, let's check out the sports around the glob.
Pep. Let, let, let's duck over to the NFL. We haven't touched much on the NFL yet, obviously, no. in the off-season over there. So when you look at the way the seasonal structure all set up for listeners out there and what you need to be prepared for, once the once our NRL season comes to a conclusion, we'll do a bit more NFL. We do love the, uh, the American ball. We certainly do. Um, the draft, mate. Talking about drafts, we touched on it earlier. The NFL draft is just set off, mate. Yep. What are... What did you think of the draft, mate, as a, as a structure, as a thing? But also, too, were there any take-home points that you got from the draft? Yeah, well, um, you know, they do it well, the NFL, the draft. Uh, mm. point that really stood out to me was um, Philly, who were runners-up, or the, who were lost the Super Bowl last yeah. year to KC. Um, they um, were given an A-plus as far as their drafting by Sports Illustrated. They're going to be a problem, mate. I looked at their draft and the fact that they were runners-up in the Super Bowl last year and they have recruited well yeah. in the draft. Um, something that, gra- that I saw too, mate, was Denver and, Sh- and Seattle. Yep. That Russell Wilson trade from the season before is yeah. really starting to show the fruits because, I mean, Denver's draft was horrific. Yep. And Seattle have used the picks that they picked up off Denver to, um, to you know get some good picks and they were given an A minus grade from Sports Illustrated, which is which is, you know, pretty impressive. I think when Denver look at it, due to the, you know, headlines towards the back end of the year where they're all whinging about Russell Wilson going, Oh, he's even got his own office. Yeah, well he earns two hundred and fifty million dollars. Yeah. Give a man an office. <laughs> You know, like, um, yeah, so a, a lot of what Russell Wilson provided the Broncos last year, you know, they were like, oh, was the juice worth a squeeze on the trade? I reckon this might just be the kick in the guts for Broncos fans because they look at what Seattle's acquired in the draft with their picks, essentially. Um, and the final thing, mate, for me, was the Tom Brady hangover for the Bucks. Yep. You know, they decided not to, pri- you know, prioritise the O-line. Um, but they've got Baker Mayfield coming in and taking that quarterback role. So, it, you know, it'd be, I'll be very interested. Like, a lot of big names have now moved on from the Bucks since the Tom Brady era, so should we call it? But, um, yeah, it was, it was interesting that they've gone that tack. They hadn't focused on protecting that new quarterback that was coming in. Yeah. You know? You know, and for the Bucks, though, it was worth it, wasn't it? Well, I mean, the juice was worth a squeeze in terms of them getting, a, getting the, the Super Bowl. Yeah. I'd, I'd definitely say they're happy enough with that. So what do they call the bloke who comes last, Potty, in the draft? So obviously there's got to be someone who comes last, mate. Mr. Irrelevant. Mr. Irrelevant. Mr. Irrelevant. Who is our Mr. Irrelevant for this year, mate? Ah, so Mr. Irrelevant. Deswan Johnson? Deswan. Deswan. Deswan Johnson. Deswan Johnson. For the LA Rams. For the LA Rams. Mate. Keep an eye out for Mr. Irrelevant. I think yeah. there's, you know, when you talk about so we talked about Tom Brady. He got picked up the fifth round, wasn't it? Yeah. He was late in the draft. Oh, he was, like yeah. It. So, so the draft doesn't tell the complete story. So Mr. Irrelevant last year was um, Brock Purdy for uh, the 49ers, mm. wasn't it? And they started the season 5-0? and I think so. Yeah. Yeah, so... You know, it means nothing. It and, means nothing. And there are a lot of athletes for those of you who aren't, you know, big on the NFL that didn't even get a sniff in the draft. Who go to pro day? They yeah. go to the. They don't go to the combine. They go to pro day. They don't get drafted, and then they end up on a roster and they work themselves into a football team. So, uh, yeah. So 
it's always a, a big ticket thing to just highlight who Mr. Irrelevant is, but uh, yeah, don't don't mean nothing. And some of you young athletes over there, if you've missed down the draft, chin up. Parramatta's looking for some extra factor. <laughs> oh, I remember, was it Greg Smith? Greg Smith, who, yeah, <laughs> played for the Knights. There's oh, this we got this American. He's fast. And uh, he was shocking. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, we used to, when I'd play footy over the uh, training at the UK, we'd train in, at Finsbury Park in North London, and they'd have a lot of the sprinters. Yep. And, mate, these guys absolutely shredded. Yep. Like, mate, not an ounce of fat on them. Fast as lightning. You'd pass them a football and it would hit them in the chest and then roll halfway down the field <laughs> before they realised you passed it. <laughs> uh, oh. Mate, the PGA Tour. PGA. Mate, I've got a headline for you. Yep. The fobs are flourishing in Mexico. Wow. Tony Finau. Tony Finau. Tony Finau. He holds off the hot John Rahm to win the Mexico Open in Porto Vallarta. Um, look, mate, straight away what thought to me, as we know our Polynesian brothers, they love a bucket of KFC. Yeah. The $1.6 million winner check that Tony Finau's collected would equate to roughly 462,000 pieces of the Colonel's original recipe, mate. Big dollars. Um, I was very, you know, in the fairing of the farm. It was great to see Tony Finau. If you've watched um, watched Full Swing, you know, um, the Finau family, I've always admired that about, you know, and growing up around a lot of Polynesian families out in Western Sydney, you'd always always admire the real family structures they have there, very whole family true to the heart, and um, that was evident in that full swing documentary. Yeah, the PGA Tour, professional sport, but professional golf, definitely highlighted as a very, uh, you've got to be quite selfish to be really successful, you've Mm. got to be quite arrogant, and that's why a lot of the players come across as having a bit of an attitude because they do and they need to to be successful but Tony Finau seems to be he's one of the good guys yeah the exception and it's basically you know if you said oh golf or family you go oh golf can go and do one yeah it's family for me and and that's and that's that very much that cultural Polynesian Polynesian way and and you can't help but admire it go Tony and um, yeah I remember a couple of years ago he rolled his ankle at the um, uh, path three challenge after hitting a hole in one, I think it was, and um, dislocated his ankle and played the Masters oh, yeah, the next day. That, that's rough. So if you like a bit of the gruesome, Google that. Very good, mate. Um, I will not be. <laughs> the, uh, the fights, mate. So I, I, I warned the punters last week you did. about Yong Sedong and Ricky Simon, the, the fight night. It was an apex card, so it was in front of no crowd in Vegas. But I also did have a little subheading that said, these ones generally turn out to be the good ones. So um, it turned out that way, mate. There was some good fights in that. The Yong Sedong Ricky Simone fight was a cracker. Um, but also two two submissions. Yeah. Another finish, another knockout on the card. So um, the card was really good. Uh, Yong Sedong's a beast. He's, you know, he looked really, really impressive. Stopping Ricky Simone in the in the fifth round, yep. um, and he'll be well and truly in with a shot. Uh, but if you if you got nothing to do and you want to check the replay on Ko Sports, my advice would be go and check it out because it, it wasn't a bad little card. But things are going to heat up this week with UFC 288. Um, big fight is Triple C's back. 
So Henry Cejudo is going to be fighting Aljamain Sterling. Now, I think it's three years that Henry Cejudo's been out. Uh, so he released, uh, relinquished sorry, the, the Bantamweight title when he retired. Um, yep. However, he's coming back. And, I mean, Sterling's been in f- on fire the last two fights. He, when Petey Arm was disqualified for the knee to the head and Sterling took the title, everybody thought it was an absolute joke. They're going, oh, you know, because Petey Arm was winning the fight. But since coming back, Aljamain Sterling has just taken things to another level. You know, he's, his fight, his last fight uh, against TJ Dillashaw, he just looked like a different different cat. It mm. was unbelievable, and he, you know, he looks like he's just getting better every time. However, it'll be interesting to see how Henry Cejudo, you know, comes back after his layoff. He's had three years off, but he's an Olympic gold medalist in wrestling, featherweight champion, dethroned the mighty... Mighty Mouse Johnson, and he was the former bantamweight champion, defeating TJ Dillashaw. So it is going to be an absolute ripper of a fight. Um, so the odds have got uh, Aljamain Sterling as a very, very slight favourite. I mean, there's nothing in that. Yeah. Um, other fight to look forward, Belal Muhammad versus Gilbert Burns. That'll be a great fight. Uh, Muhammad is on a roll. Um, he's really staring down a, a title shot. Um, however, Gilbert Burns is, you know, he's that, that gatekeeper, so to speak. He's had his his shots at the title uh, against Kamara Usman, but he's, he's I, I would say the winner of that is, you know, really knocking on the door. Uh, they're probably the two big ones. Another fight that I would look out for uh, would be Cron Gracie from the Gracie lineage. So Cron is Hickson's son. And he's going to be fighting Charles Jourdain in the featherweight, uh, but he's a he's a plus one sixty favourite in that. So Cron's highly touted to win that fight. So uh, that is UFC two eighty eight this weekend. Um, you know, get around it. It's going to be some good fights. Yeah. Um, well, while we're on the fight game, the bare knuckle box. <laughs> bare knuckle. That's uh, made some headlines recently. Mate, I watched. I, I didn't watch the card live, but I watched some highlights of it. Mate. Yeah, I did as well. And I mean, I like you know I like all sorts of combat sports anyway. You'll never get me complaining about it, geez. But it was, it was fun to watch. But geez, it's still like, you know, the the guys are taking a risk fighting those fights. Oh, for sure. So obviously, the big story was the presence of one Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor, yeah, he got the call up, and um, then Mike Perry. So, so results for the car were Mike Perry defeated Luke Rockhold, uh, Eddie Alvarez and Chad Mendes fought. Chad, uh, Eddie Alvarez getting the decision there. Um, Aussie Beck Rawlings, she was beaten unfortunately by Christine Ferreira, and uh, UFC heavyweight veteran Ben Rothwell. Some brutal clinch work. I mean, he had his eye closed. Yeah due to his own injuries, but uh, he finished Josh, Josh Watson with some brutal clinch work, uh, which was a yeah heavy-hitting affair, that one. Perry gives the call out to McGregor. Yeah, so I, I, I watched the fight, the Perry versus Rockhold fight, mm. and, oh, mate, it is brutal. So, so Luke Rockhold is a very, very good striker. Yeah. And the way I, you know, was explaining it when I was having a few discussions around the water cooler was... Mike Perry doesn't beat anyone in the top 20 at middleweight. Yep. He fights at welterweight when he fights MMA. 
Luke Rockhold is a former middleweight champion. Yeah. But Mike Perry is an absolute dog. Like, he is just... He's a fighter's fighter. Yeah. He is... He lives to fight. It is what pays his bills. It is what he does and it is what he loves. And you could tell straight away when you're fighting in something like bare knuckle, the martial arts aspect of it slowly disintegrates into the back. And Luke Rockhold is a very, very good martial artist. So Perry just put the dog on him, just comes forward and ends up cracking his tooth and splitting his lip. And Luke Rockhold just goes, I can't go on. Yeah. You know, mouth guard and all, he just go after the, in the second round, just goes, I'm out. I can't, you know, he's cracked my tooth. Yeah. Like, it's it was brutal. And um, so the thing I wanted to ask is, like, Conor McGregor, he's had a very uh, distinguished career. He's, mm. um, I would say, like, obviously not um, as big a following of MMA as you. I would say, as far as UFC concerned, he is the been the biggest household name over well, he's the, the last... biggest. He's the biggest name and he draws the most eyes. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd imagine he draws um, the most dollars as well. Yeah. And he's obviously made a lot of money off his Floyd Mayweather fight as well. What's in it for him? What's in it for him to get... Like, would he, would he get involved in a bare-knuckle fight? Um, the thing with Conor McGregor is that... Would he get in a bare-knuckle fight? Absolutely. Yeah. But... What people don't realise about would would the UFC let him is a completely different story. Yeah. No, absolutely no. not. <laughs> um, and whilst he's under contract with them, they're never going to come. That that Floyd Mayweather, you know, agreement was a once in a lifetime thing. Yeah. You know, it made him bucket loads of money. It made the UFC a lot of money too. But what people don't realise about Conor McGregor, when they talk, look at him, they go, "Oh, he's just a, a shit talker. He just, you know." He does this. He's, he says he's all talk and he's, he's come up and all that. He was, you know, the biggest thing in fight sports. Conor McGregor is a fighter. Yeah. That's what a lot of people don't realise, is that Conor McGregor, despite the fact that he will get off a $500 million yacht in Abu Dhabi and he'll wear Gucci slippers and he'll do all he the extravagant and, things, yeah. Conor McGregor loves fighting. Yeah. You can tell it. He stands on the sideline at bare knuckle boxing, shadow boxing. Yeah. He walks right. into Ryan Garcia's change room after he lost to Tank Davis, talking boxing, moving around and going, I can't wait to see this fight again. He loves fighting. And you can't replace that. So it's, there's not a check in the world that you can give someone that could take that away from them. And as you can see from his career... He doesn't care if he gets beat. Yeah. You know, it's because he just, he just loves fight. fights. He loves fighting and he, he does a darn good job making money from it as well. So if the question was, would Conor McGregor do bare knuckle boxing? Absolutely. Would he, will he ever be allowed to? I'm not so sure about. Will he ever retire? He says he ain't fucking retiring. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't never retiring. Oh, he puts on a hell of a show. He does, mate. Um, now... Request. We've had a fan request, mate. Uh, apparently, the the punters they want to hear about the F one, mate. The and F1. look, I the the race in Azerbaijan on the weekend. I mean, it, the only reason it really grabbed my eyes on the headline was the fact that there was a bit of a confrontation. There was. But if we get into the results first, mate. So what I saw, um, I ended up checking out the the highlights on that. So. 
Mercedes' struggles are continuing this season. You know, they, they were in the minor placing, so, you know, not the points they were after. Aussie, Oscar Piastri, he only just missed out on the points, so which is a, a bit of a shame, but for the Aussies, you know, we're, we're, Aussies. Ke- we're keeping an eye out for Piastri. But the big talking point, mate, was the confrontation between Max Verstappen and George Russell. Now, watching Matt Burton and Dane Gagai fight in Origin last year has really opened my eyes to the fact that if you're a professional athlete, it doesn't mean you can scrap. Okay, the way they threw handbags. But when I talk about Max Verstappen and George Russell body, who wins that fight? Who wins that fight between Max Verstappen and George Russell? He ended up calling him a dickhead and said, "I, oh, you know, oh. George Russell's... He, so it was in the sprints. They almost had a collision. George Russell said, you know, my traction was gone. Yeah, and Verstappen's response is, everyone's traction's gone, mate. You know, you need to pull your head in. And then he's as he's walking away, he's going, yeah, oh, you dickhead, you know, you expect it back, sort of. A bit of chatter. But if they were to come to blows, what do you think occurs, mate? Oh, well, mate... To be honest with you, it looked like both of them were waiting for their big brother to come in and fight for them. <laughs> it was, it was the tamest thing. The team principles. Oh, the yeah, team principles. Come on, get in here. Horner Let's... versus Toto Wolf, mate. <laughs> I, reckon, I reckon they've probably knuckled on behind one of the uh, oh. one of the marquee tents at a, at a race before. But you know, maybe Verstappen look looks like he's you know got a little bit more to fight. Mate, a little bit more <laughs> yeah. fight in him. I've got to go with Verstappen, mate. I'm, yeah. I'm going to back you up on this one. So I talked about Mike Perry having the dog. That's with a WG. Yeah. I think Verstappen appears to have the dog in him, mate. He'd be the type of guy, Verstappen, for me, if he was losing the fight, he'd bite or he'd scrotum grab. Like he, he'd just, anything for a win. George Russell, he appears to have way more class body. He wouldn't want to engage in mutual mutual combat with his posh London voice. This man wants to engage in violence. That is disgusting. <laughs> oh, Mate, yeah. I'd tell you, say, I would call it, if I was to do a final analysis, if we were leading into a fight between those two, I'd call it the teabag test. The teabag test? The teabag test. So if you asked George Russell what a teabag was, He'd go, well, that's breakfast. English breakfast, Yorkshire. That's Sri Lankan's finest tea leaves. If you asked Max Verstappen what a tea bag is, he'd say, well, that's clearly putting your testicles on your mate's forehead. <laughs> it tells a lot about the personality of the tea bag test. Mate. It does, it does. <laughs> okay. And I would assume that that, for me, game, set, and match, Verstappen is winning that scrap. Yep, happy to go with that. Happy to go with that. Rightio, that does it for the sport, mate. We're going to get into the dreaded multis. Oh, the three-legged multis this week, mate. I went one from three. How'd you go? Oh, yeah. mate, I decided to duck on the Manly and, and Gold Coast match, and I'll put three anytime try scorers on, and I thought to myself, you know what? I'm on here. High-scoring game. Yeah. One from three. Now, I will say, I picked up my David Fafita yep. and my other two. Um, were my other two both got over the line in the first 10 minutes. I over saw the, the Saab one. Yep. The Saab one, yeah. Both over the line. But because one of them scored and then both got over the line and nearly scored, guess what I got paid out? 
Nothing. <laughs> Not a thing. Close thought, is nothing. I thought you were going to give me a glorious bonus bet story or something. But no, um, mate. Absolutely bugger all. I was, I was hopeless, hopeless this week. Yeah. Did you fare any better, mate? Look, mate, I when it started pissing down in Bathurst, I thought the decision to have Penrith 1-12 to over the Tigers wasn't a bad one. No, so This mate, is going to be a low-scoring game. However, Potty, I... I'm a walking anti-gambling advocacy campaign, mate. Zero from three. Penrith were poor. My bets were unsuccessful. Gambled responsibly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nearly, I would nearly, moving into our next segment, mate, I'd nearly consider myself for the penis of the week. But... Who gets it? Penis of the week. Um, I've been getting a lot of external pressure about penis of the week this week, mate. Um... A lot of external friends pressure, of friends of the show, in terms of Richarlison. Richarlison mm. and the way he carried on after scoring the equalising goal for Spurs. I've had, I've been getting hammered. Oh, it's got to be Richarlison. Got to be Richarlison for only for Liverpool to go up the other end. So shirt off, whooping it up. Ex Everton player, so it obviously had a bit of feeling yep. scoring at Anfield. Uh, first goal of the season. I mean, he did carry on like a pork chop. Yeah, no doubt about it. But Potty, I can't give Richarlison penis of the week. And who gets it? Do you know why I can't give Richarlison penis of the week? Tell us. Because Richarlison, for Liverpool fans, he still one-upped you. Have you heard the story about the bus driver Richard Arlison? I have. (laughs) I have. So Richarlison or Richard Arlison and the whole idea of the Everton fans creating the tour bus to go to the Champions League final in <laughs> Paris last year that didn't turn up, that still gets you one up. You can't oh. get penis of the way. You are still one up on Liverpool for that absolute shithousery. So for the listeners at home... When Liverpool were playing in the Champions League final last year, there was a, a bunch of Everton fans who put together a website. They put together a bus booking site for fans of Liverpool to get a charter coach over to Paris. And they jumped on it. And they jumped on it. It was dirt cheap. And the bus driver's name was Richard Arlison. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody spotted it. And all these poor Liverpool fans who thought they were going to see the glorious Reds take home another European Cup in Paris, they were left at the bus stop. <laughs> Nobody turned up. That's one of the And then time. what made things worse is when they got over to Paris, Real Madrid turned on the old European classic and they took home the trophy. As a Man United fan, that was my highlight of the season, <laughs> a season in which we had Ralph Rangnick. <laughs> uh, but for that, I've got to completely alleviate Richarlison from Penis of the Week. So sorry to our listeners who were absolutely gung-ho on him getting it. I'm going to go with the life coaches and marketing gurus, mate. And you know what, Potty? Stuff it. I'll throw real estate agents (laughs) that pollute Instagram in there as well. Those blokes like Tom Panos, those knobs, get a skill that doesn't involve thieving money or flogging off other people's assets, you ringworms. (laughs) Dead set. Penis of the week, life coaches, marketing gurus, and real estate agents that litter Instagram. 
I know some good real estate agents, yeah. some really good blokes. So it's not everyone in real estate agents. We're talking about that specific type who are going to get your house as a listing and then they're going to film a social media viral video in your lounge room and send it out to everybody like they actually own the house. Those people are knobs. Yep. What do you got, mate? Penis of the week. All right, mate. Well, this is a bit of a serious one. The bloke who attacked a referee in the men's Premier League football match between Greenacre Eagles and uh, Padstow Hornets on Friday night. Absolute. You're a criminal. Yeah. And you should be treated as such. Lifetime ban, not good enough in my opinion. Prison time for that person. There's broken jaw, the referee. We need to be sending a message that that's not on. I think as a society, mate, it's, you know... And those who play junior sports, those yep. who play recreational sports, would realise how hard it is to get referees. Oh. You know, for a pie and a Coke or, you know, a couple of bones, they go out and give up three to four hours of their weekend or their, you know, evening to go and referee. And to be treated like that is an absolute disgrace. So apparently the guy who did it was a player who was suspended. Yeah. I don't care about your reasoning. I there don't is care. no reason. I don't care yeah. what justification you could possibly come up with to do that. That is not on. And I said it just before, that's criminal. That's criminal, yeah. That's criminal, and it needs to be treated and, as such, and it will be. And, you know, and I get frustrated at times. Like, I play a bit over 35s soccer. I don't play it well. But there'll be players in the game who are blowing up, and we've got, you know, high school students who are running the line for us. Yeah. And these players blowing up, and I'm like, mate, what are you talking about? Number one, it's not the Premier League. And number two, go and shake his hand and go and thank the kid for yeah. actually making your game possible. Yeah. You know? And soccer, as a sport, I think it's somewhere they need to get re- far better because the way that players speak to referees on TV is a disgrace. Yeah. They don't have microphones like the NRL. NRL, you wouldn't get away with it. No. But the way that soccer players speak to referees is an absolute disgrace. And it's no surprise when this sort of garbage goes on if you think you can treat people like that. Yeah, 100%. But anyway. So that, that's my penis of the week. But but before we finish up, mate, now I'm just going to throw a bit of bait out, see if I get a bit of a bite, to get, you know, just just to finish up. To me? Oh, well. I don't bite on No, no, no. So I was, I was just wondering, have we seen irresponsible behaviour like this before I asked myself this question and then I remembered former Leeds United great Eric Cantona have you heard of him Gregor? excuse me a fine footballer no excuse me I'll say that again excuse me mate a fine footballer and and an attacker of poor innocent fans who were just out for a fine day at the football thoughts Gregor? Thoughts first. Firstly, is, I can't remember. Did he play anywhere else besides Leeds United? Thoughts first. Leeds United, great. <laughs> he is royalty at United. <laughs> the real United. Manchester United. <laughs> now, that dickhead deserved a snap kick to the chops <laughs> at Crystal Palace. Now, people who aren't fans of Manchester United won't give Eric Cannon the credit for number one. How ahead of his time that man was he was an absolute artistic genius not only on the football field but off it as well now he did the wrong thing absolutely you know you got to sort of let that slide but i mean 
It's Hollywood. He ended up an actor. It's what he was about. But the highlight of that whole scenario was his press conference when he came back. An absolute all-timer. He came back. So basically what's happened, he's had his big suspension. He had to be talked out of retirement by Sir Alex Ferguson because he was like, oh, no, I don't... I have... Football means so much more to me than, you know, this paycheck and profession. It's it's art for me. That's Eric Cantona is a different human being to most of us. So the the media lines up in this press conference and Eric walks in and I can't think of the statement in its entirety, but it was along the lines of basically the trawlers go out to the ocean and the seagulls follow the trawlers in the hope that they will be able to feed on the sardines that come off the trawlers' catch. You know, pretty much calling the media rodents and the fact that they had all gathered and sat in front of him in the hope that they could get some food. And then he got up and left. (laughs) That is just brilliance. Um, Another thing, you know, yes, Eric Cantona did play for Leeds, but the funny story about that, is when he was sold to Manchester United, he was sold at a bargain price. I believe it was 800,000 quid at the time. But Leeds sold him because they just wanted to get rid of him because he was, you know, they couldn't manage him. They needed someone like Sir Alex Ferguson to manage this creative genius. So they sold him for 800k under the proviso that Man United had to tell the press that it was 1.2 million. (laughs) That's how desperate they were to get rid of him. And he ends up turning the fortunes of yeah. a club that had not won the title. The rest is history. He retired early. You know, he's an absolute legend in my eyes. And, you know, we've got to forgive him the fact that he did play for Leeds at some stage. Yep. Well, I think I got my bite. You got your bite. You definitely did. You know how to work me over, Potty. <laughs> uh, mate, that is us. We've done it again. We've we've knocked it out of the park, mate. Anything else to add before we... Tie bow on it, mate. Nah, thanks for listening again, guys, to our listeners in California. Oh yeah, Howdy. we got we got some California uh, California listeners looking at the statistics, uh, and not only California, mate. To all our listeners in Coolum, home of the Coolum Cults, we say good night and farewell.